Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. Welcome back to Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legend series. Kevin Walters, he's a beauty. In episode one, we spoke about the early years in the Walters house, his first recollections of a young Alan Langer, and the decision to move to Canberra. The story continues. What are your memories of the club, but but also the ground? It's before Suncorp Stadium. That was the old school Lang Park and the original. Yeah, I remember... Um, getting to games there and you'd um, park your car and then walk through the, the main bar where all the punters were having a beer and a pie before the main game <laughs> and they'd slap you on the back or spill a bit of beer on you and have a chat with them and, uh, you know, it was just really amazing. Then you walk into the into the old uh, sheds, which are nothing like no. Suncorp now. They were pokey little rooms with, yeah. you know, barely a tile on the floor for the showers and the toilets and all that. So it was a... Yeah, it was a, but it was a fantastic. We grew, sort of grew up playing a lot of rugby league in eighteens and that at uh, Lane Park, and yeah, it was just a. It, it, it's part of Queensland rugby league. So was that the pinnacle for a young man from Queensland? Uh, the pinnacle was for me as as a thirteen year old Andy going to the first ever State of Origin game. Now we mum and dad have loaded the car up. My brother was in uh, in the, the under eighteen side along with Kevin Langer, Alfie's brother playing the curtain raiser against wow. New South Wales. Blocker was in the New South Wales team, yeah. Cement Gillespie playing against. But So we've arrived in our Kingswood. We used to have a hold in Kingswood <laughs> station wagon. So we rocked down from Ipswich um, to see my brother play. And that game was starting about 5 o'clock. But the crowds, at, at, even at that time. Yeah. So the old um, Castle Main Street, that's on the far. So around there, down Hale Street, they were down... Passed all the way nearly to Milton train station, up nearly to the brewery, because there's no ticket tech or no pre-booking no. in those days. You've got to line up to, to get your tickets. Or cash at the gates. Cash at the gates, yeah. yeah. So um, Dad pulled two tickets out of his pocket and said, we're in a bit of trouble here. He only had two tickets anyway yeah. for five of us to get in, so I don't know what he was going to think. So Dad was a carpenter and uh, he had the mini toolbox in the car, so he got some pliers and went up to the fence uh, at the Milton Road end and cut a hole <laughs> in the fence. Love it. And our family and about 10,000 others. That's right, yeah. Skirtled through the fence and out, uh, you know, into into Lane Park. And those days it was terraced, concrete terraced yeah. and dirt all the way down. So there was no seating at all. It was just mm. pe- people packed in everywhere. And they they played their under-18 game and I think New South Wales won and then we're sort of waiting for the main game and the crowd just sort of started to lift and build and – the more forex that they drank, uh, the louder they became. And yeah. when Arthur Beetson ran out, it's just one of those. It, it, it gives me goosebumps now, even even thinking about it. When I saw him run out as a thirteen year old kid, yeah. you know, uh, onto onto Lane Park as it was then, it was just an amazing feeling being there. And I just thought from that moment forward, you know, I want to be out on playing on that field uh, at some stage whether it be for one of the local clubs or for Queensland or, you know, for Australia. And I was very fortunate for all those things to happen for me, you know, over time. When you did run out as a Maroon onto Lang Park, uh, are they the type of memories that that go to the back of the mind in the lead-up? Yeah, that certainly does. All, all those uh, things, you know, with Arthur and then been to so many State of Origin games there. But 
You won't believe what I did when I ran out, Andy. Okay. I cried. I cried. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> tears, for a change. Tears, yeah, for a change. Just for something different. Yeah. <laughs> tears of emotion, you know, because it's a, you know, when you when you write things down and your little goals and, you know, what you want to do in life and then it's actually sitting there right in front of you. That was it. It's quite emotional. Yeah. yeah. And you look up into the stand and, you, you know, you see all your family and your mum and dad. Uh, it was just, you know, just really, uh, and because I'm an emotional fellow, it was really emotional. But then once the game gets, you get into the game and the like, you sort of get into game mode. But it, yeah, pretty tense and very emotional. At the end of 1990, after just 12 months, or not even that, with the Brisbane Broncos, you were selected, although didn't play a test for the 1990. One of the great emus, Andy, I am. I'm one down of in the, the books. One of the great emus. And the the emu is the, the touring party that doesn't actually play test matches. That's right. You're so a I, midweek guy. That's right, yeah, and loved it. I, like I was pinching myself, you know, in 1990 at the International Airport. Uh, we left out of Sydney and I'm on the plane for a kangaroo tour. I, I just couldn't believe the year that I had. Yeah. Uh, for the Broncos, the year before, you know, I was in and out of first grade at the Raiders I played in the grand final, of course, but without any major impact in that. But I just had a had a, one of those years that will always stay with me. Uh, it was a great year for us, the Broncos. We made it into the finals, I think into the preliminary final, and the Raiders sort of dished it up to us in that uh, quite handsomely. But then two weeks later, I'm on a plane to England living the dream. Yeah. Uh, you know, playing for the – I knew that I you know, wasn't going to play too many tests. Well, I had that opinion because in front of me was, you know, Laurie Daly um, – and Cliffy Lyons yep. and myself were the other sort of five eights, you know, and there was other guys too, like Des Hasler, um, Greg Alexander was Randy, on that tour. Yeah. Just a wealth of, of great players. So I was just happy to, you know. One get, of the great touring parties. Oh, it was, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and so I was, you know, Alfie was there as well, Kerrod, my brother. So um, it was just great times and I was so happy to be on that plane and on my way to England and even in England was a Great tour, you know, playing against the English sides, the club sides midweek. Uh, it, was, it was a great experience, you know. To be able to do it with your brother, I mean, that's just enormous. And as you said, Kerrod was on the tour. But to be able to do it with your mate Alfie, the stories about you and Alfie, especially late night on that 1990 Kangaroo Tour are legendary. The wrestling, anywhere and everywhere and constantly. Is it true that regularly after a few beers, the rest of the touring party would basically – clean the floor of any uh, any chairs or tables and encourage you and Alf to wrestle well, into we, a match or another rematch yeah, as it was. Well, we used to, yeah, we were just sort of a bit of fun, but we are also a bit competitive. And then we'd challenge other blokes to, you know, yeah. if they were laughing or poking us, you know, well, come on, in you come and yep. you know, join in the fun sort of thing. Of course, traditionally on those kangaroo tours, they have the big man, little man day where the, yep. the big men, you know, wrestle the little man. We had that as well. And I remember Alf sort of dishing it up to Spud Carroll and a few others. It was... Good, good times and yeah. all in good fun. There was no seriousness about us, you know, and I thought Bob Fulton did a wonderful job because when you got 24, 25 footballers, mm. all from different clubs, all wanting to play in that test arena, mm. you know, you've got to mix it up with a bit of fun and a bit of camaraderie and that's what that was all about. We got on famously um, with all the players, you know, on tour. Uh, I particularly remember the Penrith players, you know, um, Mark Geyer, Greg Alexander, Rad Fittler and John Cartwright. Mm. So before we left, I didn't really know those guys at all. And we, we sort of had a pact with Brisbane that we'll sort these Penrith blokes. Because there was myself, Chris Johns, um, Michael Hancock, Alfie Langer, Kerrod. I was trying to think. There might have been uh, Dale Shearer. Dale was, Shearer was yeah, there. Yeah. Rowdy. So there was a lot of us there as well. But we got on famous with those with those Penrith blokes. We got on famously with everyone, but more so uh, the Penrith guys. It was a really great tour. 
Bob Fulton was the coach, as you said, one of the great number sixes. As a young six, what did you learn and, and, and how did you find Bozo? Well, I loved being coached by Bozo. Um, he was all about, you know, very com- competitive, made training competitive. Obviously, he, wanted to, he loved to win, Bozo. We all love to win, but made it very competitive amongst each other whilst we're on tour, and that's not always easy as well. But, he, you know, provided a great training environment for everyone. And then socially as well, understood, because he'd been a former player and captain of Australia himself on those tours, how important it was, you know, to to enjoy yourself away from training yeah. with, without being stupid about things, but making sure that we, you know, saw enough socially of England and everything that, that it brings. I yeah. mean, you know, that was my first time ever sort of basically to, to England. Um, so, you know, he made sure that we enjoyed ourselves as well as, you know, training really hard and, getting things right, you know, on the field, you know, and off the field. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry. Visit griffinair.com dot au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal a decorated playing career uh premierships obviously in 89 with canberra then 92 93 97 98 2000 with brisbane one of the great teams great eras in rugby league does anything in particular i guess stand out from your resume with your time at the broncos Oh, all, all those grand finals were special in, in all many different ways, Andy. There was, you know, so the 92 one was Brisbane's first ever premiership. Yep. Um, I remember uh, getting back to Brisbane that, that night because there was three o'clock kickoffs in those days and we went back to the Leagues Club and we were had a few beers on, yeah. on board by then, of course. So um, there was a crowd of about 10,000 people on where we used to train at Red Hill on, on the field. They'd set up a stage and we were presented to the crowd and the, the people were going ballistic. And I remember Alf running and diving into the crowd mm. and they caught him, you know, and did the passed, crowd surfing. Yeah, yeah. passed him back. Uh, I think he lost his shoes or he, he still had his boots on. I think he lost his boots in the crowd somewhere. And then uh, so next thing was Lazo. Lazo's gone yeah. in and uh, – Big 120 kilos, Lazo dived into the crowd and they've gone down with him, you know. Oh, they got him back up and they started, they started to fight. Gee, like, that looks like fun. I'll, I'll have a crack at this. So I took a big run up and just dived like Superman off the stage and I could just see him like the, the, the Red Sea. They just, just parted. Part. They parted oh. on me and bang. Head I'll first. Into the deck, oh, yeah. Oh, no. Lazo took a lot out of that crowd tonight by, <laughs> with his – the big fella, but no, it was just great times. And the end of the night, we I think we shaved our head that night as well, and we got our numbers drawn in the back of our head the next day, and all sorts of things. But it was a really special time. The nineteen ninety seven Super League title, one of your six, does it count in your record books? Very much so. Yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah. Um, again, that was a, a different different time and a difficult time for, in rugby league for both Super League and and the RL. But we feel that we, you know, we we won the competition that we played in. Um, certainly uh, a one off with a Big crowd out at ANZ Stadium. I remember the week of that was uh, was because it was in Brisbane, the grand final. There was a lot of hype around the yeah. game. We played Cronulla. Um, yeah, it's certainly up there. I, mean, I love being part of grand finals, and that was as good as any that I played in. People look back at Super League with mixed views and mixed memories, and I can understand both sides to the story or, or an opinion. How do you look back at the events that transpired? 
Oh, look, you know, it was disappointing at the time as a player to be, you know, not playing against the best players yep. every weekend. Um, but we knew uh, we put our trust and our faith in the Broncos and what they were doing as a club, uh, and we backed, you know, our leaders in, in that regard. So it wasn't the greatest uh, time, or i got to say, Andy, for, for our game, but we got through. It was only for 12 months, and then yep. the, the competitions came back together Um uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to win it again in, in 98. They say life is a roller coaster of emotion and through so many highs in the 90s, there have been tests uh, and far more important than those on the, the footy field too. In 1998, your world was shattered as yeah. a young man with a young family. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, Kim was first diagnosed with uh, breast cancer in, in 96. So, um she had a, a breast removed, and then we thought, well, everything's going to be okay. There was no assurances, of course. Yep. but uh, And then in 97, when I was actually away um, in, in England playing in the Super League competition, you know, when they both uh, – The World Club Challenge. World Club Challenge, yeah. that's what it was, yeah. Um, she started to get feel a little bit sick again with headaches and the like. So we came home and then um, had some more tests done, and, you know, obviously the cancer had come yep. back. And from, from that time – Forward, it was yeah, it was just just never great for family. I still remember her being uh, really sick on on Christmas Day of ninety seven. Mm. Um, we had mum and dad and the family over. We didn't get even get through our lunch, so I had to take uh, Kim back up to the hospital, and she never came home from from the mm. hospital. So it was yeah. Um, so I make sure every time at, at on Christmas Day in particular that I that I enjoy it. Yeah, uh, I know it's a sad day. It's because it. it, it it stays with you, that, these moments, you know. But, you know, um, so I make sure that we get all the family around and we we have a nice Christmas lunch and those memories are, are never great, but it's just one that you just have to, you know, you have to live with. And she never returned. We took her up to the hospital and, and she stayed there until February when she passed away, which was you know, it's just, yeah, terrible. In tough times, who does Kevin Walters lean on? Is it family? Is it yeah, friends? Was mum and, it mum and dad at the time? Well, I had, I had a couple of families at the time, so it was – my mum and dad, obviously, my, my brothers, and also the Broncos family were were brilliant for me through that period as well. Uh, mum and dad moved in into our house out at Brookfield yep. and and helped us there. I had a nanny nanny as well uh, who came in and, and helped us. Uh, Cara Wiley, she came in and, and helped us as well, um, which was absolutely brilliant. Kim's sister moved in as well and helped. Mm. So there was lots of good help around, which, you know, that's what family's about is, is. when those in need, you you, you know, you, you drop everything. And mum and dad in particular just dropped everything, their lives, and came in and, and helped us out for about eight weeks. And then um, uh, they moved back to Ipswich and we got on with our lives. You're a young man in a professional high-profile career with young kids yourself uh, and now you're a single parent of their nights that you're laid in bed thinking – how do I do this? What do I do next? No, well, not not really, Andy, because Kim was so strong through everything that she faced and mm. any tackle, any run, any time someone hits your heart on a football field is nothing compared to what, what yeah. she went through both physically you know, and mentally. And I drew so much strength from her and what she was going through that it gave me this empowerment that, you know, that I needed to be strong for our boys and for mm. her. And for for everyone really to make sure that you know, um, making sure that we got through it, you know, as mm. a family, and that was my she she was she drove me into being the person that that, that I was through that period, being really strong, uh, really brave, 
as I say, for her and, and for the kids. And that's what I that's what I wanted to do is not, not let her down anyway because that's what she was asking me to do. To look back now on those difficult times, does it in the current day make you prouder of the young men your boys have become? Yeah, that, look. Because I'm, I'm not pissing in your pocket. No. You have raised wonderful young men. I mean, they are just delightful. Yeah, they're, they're, they're great kids and that's a you know product of, of everyone, not just me, but everyone that's been in our lives and having their own little influence on them. My oldest uh, son now, Jack's uh, 29 this year, and my youngest is Ava. She's uh, fifth, just turned 15. Mm. So we've got a good spread of age and it's been great seeing them, them grow up. Uh, they all get on famously. I've, I've got to say that. They do. They, they all really love each other and we love Christmas Day because – uh, not everyone's living at home now. We've got yep. Billy living in Sydney and Jack's you know, living in Brisbane here, but we've still got uh, three of the kids still at home and it's a great environment for them. We try to provide and, um, yeah, we're just so happy with, uh, with, with what we have as, as a family right now. If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legend series, we'd love for you to go to Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. Best weekly review wins an unfiltered trucker's hat. You're always, a, I thought, a really good footy mind. What convinced you uh, when your playing days came to an end that, yeah, I might give this coaching cape a... a, a a crack anyway. I'll, I'll see what it's like. Well, it wasn't sort of – it was more sort of a couple of years before I retired. I remember, you know, writing a lot more stuff down that Wayne was saying or, you know, in, in the representative arena, you know, with Tim Sheens and these sort of guys. I was writing a lot of stuff down thinking I might be able to use this one day, and be, mm. you know, in whatever industry I get into. And then, you know, I just felt uh, in the last year of my playing career, I, I knew that I wanted to, you know, continue in the game and the best way for me to do that was to – was to, as a coach, so you know, I got my head around that, and then we got into coaching, and I've loved every. I've seen a lot of, a lot of good days and a lot yeah. of bad days as well in, in that industry, Andy. But I, I just love, you know, as I said at the start of the interview, rugby league is my, one of my passions, and uh, I'll continue to to coach and wherever I can, and you know, into the future. Is it addictive? Oh, the coaching. Yeah, I believe so. Some people look at me, uh, some of my close friends, and say, "You know, you're a dickhead. Why would you want to put yourself, you know, yeah. through through that?" But I, I don't see it that way. There are coaches; they do have their own special mind, I believe, mm. and call it stupidity, call it what you like. But it's something that's in in your blood and in your system, so it's hard to. It is an addiction, and it's hard to refuse that addiction. Your progression be it France, be it Melbourne, be it Brisbane, has been a steady one up to State of Origin head coach. You were an assistant to Wayne at the Broncos for a few years. You came third as a unit in 2005. Then Wayne gets rid of Glenn Lazarus, Gary Belcher and Kevin Walters. You're a passionate Bronco. Did that break your heart? Oh, it did, mate. Knocked me around. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, it was a – I still remember um, – after the after we got knocked out by the Tigers, they beat us thirty six to n- not much at all. From mm. and I thought, oh well, we'll go in and do the review. And um, so we went to the we had our ball or presentation night every year, and it was just a, an eerie feeling that night in the room, a bit like the Last Supper. Mm. And uh, so the next day, I got on my bike and I rode it over to the Broncos and uh, to meet Wayne because he was coaching the Australian team at the time. He wanted to catch up before he left and. Uh, and he dropped the news on me there at the Broncos, and I, I was really 
I couldn't ride my bike home. I was I was gutted. Mm. So I walked. My bike home. There were some more tears. Uh, and the next day, when I woke up, I just tried to get on with things as best I could. And where to next? And we started planning because I love coaching. And I, I thought, well, you're not going to get the better of me here, Wayne. I'm going to continue to coach. Um, and I did that. I looked for opportunities. I went back and coached in the in the um, Intra Super Cup yep. uh, the next year. Started. Mel gave me an opportunity with the Maroons, and we yep. we just sort of went from there. You missed out on the Brisbane job controversially for 2019. Does it actually hurt watching the former no. club in the pain they're in? Yeah, I'm, I'm hurting, Andy, like a lot of ex-players are, um, and for many different reasons. Um, yeah, it's really sad to see the position that the club is in at the moment, and I do feel sorry for everyone involved there that they, they find themselves in this position. You couldn't sort of write a script around this. I mean, you've been around yeah. the game as long as I have. You, you know, for, for a powerhouse club like the, the Broncos to find themselves, you know, in this position, it's something that none of us can really believe. But the facts are they are there right yep. now in that position. You mentioned Craig Bellamy earlier. Last year, whilst with Melbourne and Craig Bellamy, your son Billy made his first grade debut. You had the honour and a touch of class from Bellyache of presenting the jersey to Billy. How special was that? Oh, that was brilliant, yeah. That was right in the middle of State of Origin as well. So You had to um, do the mad dash down. I did the mash to, mad dash to Sydney. We all flew down, uh, Narelle and all the kids, uh, to be there for, for Bill's game. And and I got to present his jersey before the game. Of course, there were there were more tears and it was just a, a great night and the storm won won that night. We flew back to Brisbane, and it was just reflecting the next morning. You know, on the plane, how proud I I, mm. I hadn't felt prouder. You know, um, I'm proud of all the kids, obviously, but this was a really special moment for Billy and the family. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great great moment in my life. Is it more special watching your offspring achieve than when you achieve? Uh, yeah, it's certainly a different feeling. Yeah. You, you probably get more nervous. Um, I was talking to Matty Johns about that the other day with his boys. Uh, when you when it's you debuting and you're playing, you've got control of things. But when when it's your son, you, you just want the best for him, you know, without yep. being over the top. I'm certainly not an over or a pushy parent, but you just want him to, to do well and play well and play to his potential, which he did that night. So that's what made me really feel really proud about it, about his achievements. Kevy Walters, you sir are a legend. A new episode of the Legend series drops every Tuesday and the Weekly Wodge every Thursday. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening and follow us on social media at The Andy Raymond. Then you won't miss a thing. Come back soon. Legends.